Hello, and welcome to episode 14 of the Coin Press Podcast. I'm Luke Willis. Today, I'm joined by Anisha Sunkarneni. Welcome, Anisha. Thank you for having me. Hi, how are you today? Doing well. Glad to have you. Thank you. Um, so today, we are talking about DAOs, which if you're unfamiliar or that doesn't translate well over audio, a DAO or DAO is Decentralized Autonomous Organization, which is basically the blockchain native uh, company. <laughs> so rather than forming a, a traditional company, uh, you would run your company over a blockchain, typically um, through a variety of technologies, a token distribution, NFTs. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, I have personally uh, never participated at a technical level within a DAO, so I'm excited to, to get this discussion underway. Um, so, Anisha, I know you've done quite a bit with DAOs. You have a lot of thoughts on them that you've shared online, um, both on Mirror, uh, on Twitter, and uh, as also on your podcast, Pilled the Pod. So, can you go over a little bit your experience with DAOs? Yeah, absolutely. So, I would backtrack a little bit and say that DAOs were one of the first things that I kind of jumped into when I was just getting more involved with the Web3 space. And I was curious what it was like to be a part of different DAOs, how those communities kind of worked and the similarities and differences I saw. So I you know, joined a bunch of discords, which is where many DAO communities often live. And among them were Seed Club, Index Co-op, Forefront. I have a number of friends who were some of the founding members of some of the biggest DAOs today, including Friends with Benefits, Seed Club, Index Co-op, and such. And both by being a part of that, um, part of the DAOs myself as in the Discord servers or as a contributor, as well as knowing people who were at that founding level at a number of DAOs, gave me a lot of insight into how the different communities kind of operated. And then later on down the line, I also was part of the founding team and core team of Constitution DAO, which many of you know blew up in the span of a couple of weeks. And I saw that process and was deeply involved from getting that DAO up and running off the ground and then later on actually winding it down. So kind of been through it all. And you're right, like I have written about it, have shared my thoughts on Twitter and have a lot of thoughts about DAOs and hope for the future, but also believe that they have a number of problems we're still working on addressing. Yeah, very cool. Um, the, the Constitution DAO is fascinating as a case study. <laughs> um, Absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm curious, I'm, obviously this, we could probably talk the whole time about this, but are there any like key learnings from that experience that you have? Um, just takeaways, things you would do differently if you were to start over with Constitution DAO? I think it's really difficult to kind of pinpoint what you would do differently for a given DAO because so much of it goes beyond simply, hey, you made a DAO um, because you have to think about the different people who were involved, the point in time in which it was constructed and the purpose it was trying to achieve. And so when you look at all of those different variables, 
even if things were done differently, a lot of those variables were ultimately out of our control. So I don't know how much we would have been able to control even if we had done things slightly differently just because of those external factors. We were working with Sotheby's to place a bid at the auction for the Constitution. Um, you know, we we spun things up very, very, very quickly. And I definitely don't think that is the norm or what should be encouraged for, a, you know, a given DAO at any point in time. Um, so, all of those factors, considering it's hard to know what would have really changed um, if we went back in time and we were working with that same timeline of, you know, from start to, from from the inception of Constitution Dow to when we placed the bid at the auction, it was literally under a week. Right. Um, and, and those are abnormal <laughs> timelines to work with. Um, but that being said, I think I learned a lot, probably far more than can fit in this episode, but everything from, you know, what are the different components that it just logistically um, might be needed to get a constitution DAO or like any DAO to like get spun up um, to working with team members, to delegating, to really thinking about whether or not we have a flat structure Um, and I articulated a lot of these in the article I wrote about, you know, five different points to consider if you're creating a DAO, but like really thinking about what your purpose was. Um, and in the article, I kind of like used examples from Constitution DAO as well, but a lot of the decisions early on and, you know, even later on down the line are guided by like, what is the purpose of your DAO, right? And I always go back to that because I think that was like a very, very big key takeaway from Constitution DAO and seeing how many decisions that we had to make and how frequently we had to go back to understanding and acknowledging what our purpose as an organization was. So while it's not necessarily something I would like change, I think it was important that we had that purpose because that guided our decisions and I think like that's like a really, really big thing to consider if I were to ever create a DAO again, I would really, really hammer home whatever purpose I had um, and keep coming back to that. Yeah, I mean, it's it was a really interesting, because um, Constitution DAO, if anybody's unfamiliar that's listening, the purpose was to raise money and purchase uh, an original copy of the U.S. Constitution at auction. And I forget how much you raised. It was like fourteen million or something like that. No, no, no. We raised like forty-seven million. Don't quote me on that number, but it was in that ballpark. Right, I'm way off. So, but, so, but it was basically a lot of money. You were right. Yeah, about a lot that. of money. Um, so then, place the bid, and you ended up getting outbid by a ridiculously small amount uh, by some wealthy individual uh, buyer, and it's it's fascinating and. But I just, I mean, we could go again on that a lot. The point is that with that experience, Constitution Doubt, you had an extremely tangible North Star or, or narrative right. or, or whichever of those points that fits into where we're going to buy the Constitution. <laughs> Anybody who's on board with that and wants a fractional ownership piece of the pie, they're on board. Like, that's all you have to say. So yeah. really, really quickly interrupting. I'm sorry, yeah. just because this was um, something that we tried to make very clear for everyone who donated um, 
to Constitution Dow to kind of help us bid at the auction, we were definitely not promising a fractional ownership of the Constitution, much more so just that they would have a fractional, you know, say in what we did with the Constitution should we actually win the auction. Um, just just for just for yeah. purposes. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, I misunderstood that when I was reading about it. Um, okay, so yeah, so regardless, that's still a really exciting initiative and people can get behind that, right? Having a say with the constitution. Um, so going back to your your article, the five points, uh, the, the article is titled The Five Point Palm Exploding Dow Technique. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Um, and really, it's this concept of a minimum viable DAO. What are the things that you have to do to, to start a DAO and to get people on board and organize it and make sure that you can actually meet your goal? Um, so just blitzing through those. Having a North Star, what's your one-liner purpose? How can you do that, whether that's centralized or decentralized? And what balance do you have there with which components of the DAO? The, uh, the logistics, how? Is it feasible? Do you have the people or the resources you need to, to get where you want to go? Uh, the narrative, how do you get people to care? And the lifespan, how long is this going to last? Which for that one, obviously for Constitution DAO, is a pretty short-lived effort. Um, right. There are a lot of DAOs out there that are basically going to run indefinitely, as long as there's people still excited about it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I created that sort of like five point rubric, so to speak, just because I was having a lot of conversations with people um, who were who were thinking about creating DAOs and advising on them. And I kept coming back to the same points of like, hey, if, if you're trying to make a DAO, these are some things that you should really consider that I think would be helpful to think about before actually propping one up. Um, I sometimes think of DAOs similar to how I think of communities where just from a logistic point of view, it is very easy to create a given DAO or create a community. You could, you know, spin up a Slack workspace and be like, hey, I have a new community with a DAO. You can literally just be like, okay, group chat, like, do we want to be a DAO now? Like, we can have, like, a shared Venmo account. Like, we're a DAO. Like, right. hey, you can be a DAO. You can create, like, very rudimentary forms of governance and call yourself a DAO. But the retention of users or community members and the, like, you know, just, like, continued existence of said community or DAO is something I think is much, much more difficult. Yeah. Um than purely creating one. We, you know, just as there's a million amazing ideas for startups, but not every everyone is, you know, fleshed out into its own company or product. I think that there are a lot of good ideas for communities and DAOs. And it's really, really important at the inception of one to really figure out whether it's a DAO that needs to exist and in what form and what are your plans for continuing to you know, sustain it after you just simply create it, right? Because if you if you don't think about that and it just like dies in two months, like what was the point, right? right? Like what what did you achieve? Did you did you actually achieve what you wanted to? So going back to those five points, um, yeah, the first thing I ask people to think about is like what is the goal, right? Like 
having a one-liner goal. And after that, um, the second point in kind of just like chronological order is like whether or not it's centralized or decentralized. And the reason I ask people to think about that is because while DAOs can take many shapes and forms, they do have like a loose structure that they often follow. And even within the name itself, Decentralized Autonomous Organization, we are saying that these forms of organization on the blockchain are decentralized. And like, what does that mean? And is that aligned with the goal that you have? And decentralized organizations, we often think about them being flat in structure, where there isn't this, you know, customary hierarchical structure that we often see in companies. And there isn't like, you know, you don't have a boss in a DAO or whatever. Um, and if you're considering that flat structure, is it still possible to achieve that goal that you have? And if it's not, do you want to either make changes to your goal or are you looking at creating an organizational structure that might not be decentralized and therefore might not be a DAO? Um, and and I oftentimes like use the example of like, you know, a big brand, like, I don't know, Coca-Cola, if they wanted to make like a DAO for the purposes of, I don't know, like creating merch or something, it is very likely that they might want to have a hand in all of the decisions that go into that and a flat structure may or may not be the most, you know, feasible option for what they want to achieve. Sure. They might shift their goal to opt for something that a flat structure would allow and therefore they might still create a DAO. Or they may say, hey, we might like record certain things on the blockchain or whatever, but we still want a hierarchical structure because we want to call the shots for you know, the plans that we want to set forth and therefore we're not going to make a DAO and that's okay. But I think recognizing and thinking through those things from the get-go is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, I think the, the point of decentralized versus centralized is really interesting. Um, there's a lot of applications that don't really make sense right now, the way we think about them to be decentralized, but if it's not decentralized, then it's not a DAO, right? It's a centralized autonomous organization or cow, right? Uh, so for, let's say you get past that test, right? You say, all right, we, we know what we're doing. We want it to be decentralized. Um, I think it's really interesting that people are reaching for tools like Slack and a, a shared Venmo account and that sort of thing um, where there is no sense of ownership there. Like it is being operated decentralized, but there's no... Uh, inherent um, trustlessness like you get on the blockchain. Right. So <laughs> it's much easier to get rug pulled by, from a Venmo account than uh, on the blockchain with a token. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I'm curious, what have you seen from that? Like, is that a common problem or is this just like a, a temporary state until you prove some viability and then you go put it on the blockchain or something like that? Well, I think that like at large, even even beyond DAOs, what we see in like our crypto web three communities are there are a lot of organizations, companies, platforms, products that are operating in this sort of web 2.5 manner. Yeah. Where things might not be exclusively decentralized. They may not be hundred percent on the blockchain, but they are 
more so decentralized or on the blockchain than their Web2 counterparts, for example. And I think that this is sort of an indication, one, that we're incredibly early and still figuring a lot of things out. Um, and two, that we are trying to identify like what can work and what might be that minimum viable product right now. And then once that has been validated, maybe we then move towards something that is more decentralized or we put more of it on the blockchain. But first establishing whether it's even a valid idea or concept and works. And if doing that in a web 2.5 fashion is what allows us to validate that with the least amount of friction initially, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, yeah. I think that like sometimes trying to go zero to a hundred and be like, Hey, well it has to be decentralized. It has to be a hundred percent decentralized. And you know, put all of your efforts into forcing that mm -hmm. rather than spending your more of your focus on just simply validating the concept that you might have in front of you. Um, like that's not the right way to go about it. Like I would, I, I would definitely urge people to go about it in like stepwise function. And I don't see that as being, um, you know, there are a lot of issues with DAOs right now. I don't think that's like at the top of my list is one how I'd put it. I think that's fair. Um, the you're saying a few things that are no. You make me think of opportunities here where um, if I'm looking to start a DAO and there's a question in my mind of uh, I don't want to put the time in because of friction or challenges with getting this on the blockchain. Let's just go Web 2.5 and run and then once we've got a bit of a following then we can move to, to full web three um that says to me that the the existing tooling for starting DAOs on the blockchain is more complex than it ought to be perhaps or or more costly where if uh, if it was easy and cheap then i think it would probably remove a lot of those barriers to entry and allow you to start fully decentralized do you agree with that? Or do you think there's something else underlying there? I think that's sort of like a, a generalization or blanket statement to make. Sure. But if we, if we were to dig into that, I think, yeah, sure. I think that there is an opportunity for DAO tooling and platforms to help clear up some of the difficulties people may face when they're spinning up a DAO if there were platforms that started on the blockchain that were easy to use when you're creating a DAO, maybe you would end up opting for that rather than going for, you know, these quote unquote, like web 2.5 alternatives. Yeah. Um, and all that's like great. But I think like, even if there were theoretically DAO tooling platforms that allowed you to operate more on the blockchain, I think there are a lot of issues with DAOs that are, much, much more fundamental than even that. Like before we even get to the ease of, you know, creating a DAO using fancy DAO tooling platforms yeah. if, when and should they exist. I think that there are issues at the rudimentary level of DAOs of like, 
hey, how are we onboarding users? Like if you're a new user and you wanted to join a DAO, like how easy is that? What are the user flows put in place? Is there, you know, an equivalent of an HR within a DAO? Should there be one? Are there legal, logistical, financial issues that many DAOs are all running into, but there isn't a standard set of solutions for? And I think these are all issues that first need to be addressed and things that I have seen um, in my experience and those around me as popping up as issues for DAOs. And I think we need to figure all of that out much before simply slapping like a nice sticker of, Hey, there's this like nice new DAO tooling to spin something up. Right. Yeah. That's totally fair. You have to solve the fundamentals before you go making it pretty. Right. Yeah. Um, Cool. No, that, that's a really good point. Um, it's interesting that you call out like HR and that sort of thing where, um, it sounds like, I mean, we, we've said that DAOs are kind of the, the web three equivalent to a traditional company. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is the flat structure and decentralized control that makes it a DAO. Um, but it's interesting to me that it still requires all of those, uh, a little bit more traditional functions, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that things are less black and white than we make them out. I think that there's like a lot of gray area. As much as we might be like, hey, DAOs are like a Web3 company, but we don't want to operate like Web2 companies. So therefore, we're going to do everything differently. Yeah, I think that's a very black and white approach. I think that there might be certain things that have just, you know, historically operated well as being parts of traditional companies, whether it's like HR or maybe hierarchy and maybe completely throwing all of that out the window isn't the way to go, even if we're trying to create new norms. I think new norms can emerge within DAOs or other Web3 organizational structures that may prop up. Um, and maybe we end up borrowing some elements from Web2 company structure that have their place and that are effective. And maybe parts of them are, you know, just adapted to what makes sense for our Web3 communities or the community of a given DAO. But I think it's a little bit irresponsible to completely throw everything out the window simply because we want to do things differently. Yeah, I agree. Very interesting. I, and I think that, that that lends itself to the idea that there's a there's a place for anybody coming from Web 2 and wanting to get into Web 3. So even if you're working in finance or HR or legal or, or whatever, you don't have to be a programmer or a designer okay. to get into Web 3. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that... Um, I think we're seeing a lot of people kind of joining Web3 works, like workspaces and job forces and doing so in interesting ways. And DAOs are definitely a mechanism in which people are able to, you know, contribute to a given com- company. Um, they may be able to work in a DAO in ways that they may not have been able to previously. And I think that's really exciting. And to your point of you don't simply need to be a programmer to work in crypto or Web3, I think 100%. Like we need 
everyone. We need designers, we need project managers, we need product designers, we need the programmers also. Um, we also need marketing, we need copywriters. Every every which way, we definitely need a diverse set of people. And I think that if anyone is considering making the leap to Web3, it might require a little bit of you know imagination and some digging around, but I think there's absolutely a place for everyone with their skill sets. Awesome. Very cool. Well, um, I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your perspective, Anisha. I think that this was a really good overview of how DAOs function, uh, some of the issues and challenges that are being faced today, um, and some of the opportunities that, that are ahead. So Absolutely. great perspective. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Right. Well, that's all the time we have. So thank you again. Join me next week for the CoinPress podcast. Bye for now.